Please stand for the reading of the gospel, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a Sunday. I mean, can y'all just pause for a second? Do you realize what we've done in two services this morning? We have commissioned leaders. We have gathered together to pray for the future of our church. We have gathered together to hope and pray for God's best as we move into God's future for us. I could not be more excited or more proud of the moments that we've been able to share today in worship. What an incredible privilege to be here, each of us together, working toward making disciples of Jesus Christ and transforming the world in Jesus' name. To start our year, uh, we have been focusing on Jesus' words found in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 35 through 40. And the reason we've been focusing um, so much on these verses is because I think, I believe, that this is who God is calling us to be. That if we want to become the kind of church that God desires for us to be, that we have to be attentive to God's will and to God's commands. And so here in Matthew 22, Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments. And if you remember last week, I asked you to do something. I gave you a little bit of homework. And that homework was to write these verses down or to print them out and to put them on your bathroom mirror so that whenever you go to brush your teeth in the morning and in the afternoon, that you're confronted by these scriptures. Now, if that's not your habit, perhaps there's a resolution you can make in 2023 around toothbrushing. But anyways... <laughs> I know you're going to brush your teeth. Let's have those words of Scripture to confront us early in the morning. And also put those words on your refrigerator because um, you, like me, often travel to the refrigerator, right? So those words find you in every moment of your day. Because these words aren't just words that we want to memorize, but words that we want to shape and form our heart as God shapes and forms our ministry here at Pittman Park. So students went back to school on Wednesday, so I find it appropriate to offer you a pop quiz this morning. I'm going to need your help, congregation. You're going to fill in the blanks in this Bible verse with me. Are you ready? Oh, that's stunned silence. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Okay, so whenever you see a blank, I'm going to pause, you're going to shout out the word, okay? I'll stop you if we don't get the shouting part right. All right, here we go. One of them, this is verse 35, an expert in the law tested him, that's Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Okay, you guys did so much better than the early service. Love... <laughs> Don't tell them I said that. 
Love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Okay, friends, we're just going to be honest for a minute about the church, right? We like to focus on that first one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But we're a little bit quieter on that second one, aren't we? So just as a refresher, let's, let's say that second commandment together. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, your homework this week is to write these verses down, to put them on the bathroom mirror and on the refrigerator so that they become a part of who you are and form your habits and decision-making over the coming week. Last week we talked about what it means to love the Lord with all of our heart, which means allowing Jesus to be the center of who we are. It means allowing Jesus to have full access to our life so that Jesus is not just our Savior, but also the Lord of our lives. But Jesus doesn't just say to love the Lord with all your heart, but also with all of your soul. And the word that Matthew uses here is the word psyche which can be translated in several different ways. In some translations, it's the word soul. Sometimes it's breath or breath of life. But the meaning of this word centers on that force that makes you, you, and me, me. The force that makes us come alive. The part that makes us, us. But it's not defined by our physical bodies, but rather by that other part of us the spiritual part of ourselves. So the question is, how do you love God with that part of who you are? How do you love the Lord with all of your soul? We love the Lord with all our soul by living a life of faithfulness to all that God has required of us. While loving the Lord with all of our heart has to do with affection, loving the Lord with our soul has to do with our devotion. As I said earlier, the soul, the psyche, is the part of us that defines who we are. The essence, the biblical definition of the soul means the life, the personality, the inner self, and our identity. It's where we make decisions and choices that ultimately decide our lifestyles and our behaviors. Think of your soul as the core you. To love the Lord with all your soul means to love Jesus in the very ways that we live, in the choices we make, and the behaviors and actions we choose. So the first way that we can begin to love God with all of our soul is by making godly choices. Friends, our lives are the sum of the choices that we make, plain and simple. Our choices show what we are committed to, and they reflect our core values, defining and displaying our lifestyle before the world. What we choose determines what we value. Because let's be honest, we do what we value. What you give your time, your talents, and your treasure to, these are the things that we value. Our family values a sport called gymnastics. We are committed to the sport of gymnastics because Addie uh, loves gymnastics and she's devoted to gymnastics. And so we spend our time, our talents, and our treasures in helping her achieve her goals 
in gymnastics. Lily Grace loves piano, and so that's a value that we want to support, and so we invest time and our talents and our treasures in helping her to learn the piano because we love the arts too. We make decisions based on what we value every day. If we truly value our relationship with the Lord, our choices should mirror those values. We should be choosing to read Scripture. We should choose to spend time in meditation and prayer. We should choose to serve and choose to give and choose to share the gospel with our neighbors. We should choose to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Because our choices demonstrate what we value most. Ask yourself, thinking back on 2022, how did I spend my money? What did I do with my time? What kind of things do I read? What kind of shows do I watch or stream? What do I do for entertainment? Where do I go to relax? What things give me comfort in difficult times? What kind of friends do I have? Because the way you answer those questions tells you what you value most. Where you spent your time, your talents, and your treasures. Do your actions in the past year demonstrate the commitment that you say you have, we say we have, to Jesus Christ? Because often our actions betray our commitments. To love God with all our soul, we are going to have to begin choosing to be intentional followers of Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing, to love the Lord with all your soul. We do that by pursuing obedience to God's word. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Don't just give lip service to your commitment to Christ, but live into it. Because friends, love isn't demonstrated by our words, it must be demonstrated by our actions. When we keep God's commandments, when we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, we are tangibly expressing our love for Christ. Our obedience makes our commitment to Christ visible in the world. Let me give you an example of this. Stephanie and I have been married for 18 years now. And in those 18 years, and I don't know if this is true in your marriage the way it's been in our marriage, in our 18 years there have been times where we've had to make decisions based on love that we didn't feel like making, right? You can laugh at that, that's okay. I've done things I didn't feel like doing, but I did it because I was committed to my wife and to my marriage. And I know that Stephanie has done the same things. We have both done things that we didn't like doing or didn't want to do or didn't feel like we had time to do because we love each other and we choose to be obedient to the covenant that we made to one another 18 years ago, to love one another unconditionally, whether we feel like it or not. That's why this second part of the first commandment is so vital for us, because sometimes we're not going to feel like doing the right thing. We're not going to feel like loving God or opening God's word. We're not going to feel like spending time in prayer or meditating, but obedience is choosing to live for God even when we don't feel like it. It's putting Christ first in every moment, in every situation. 
It's why last week when we committed ourselves to Christ through our Wesley Covenant renewal service, we recognized that Christ has many services to be done. That there are some that are honorable and others that are difficult and disgraceful. That some are suitable to our inclinations and our interests and others are contrary to both. Wesley says, in some we may please Christ and please ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. Our commitment to Christ, our love for Christ is made real, not based on how we feel, but by the choices we make and the ways in which we are obedient to God's will for our life. Obedience matters when it comes to loving the Lord with all your soul. And here's the third thing. Love the Lord with all your soul by pursuing a life of humility. A life of humility. The root word for humility comes from the Latin word humilitas. It means to be grounded or to be from the earth. Loving God with all our soul is not about putting on a show or making loud demonstrations. It's not about being better than anyone else, but about daily faithfulness that is rooted in obedience. Now let me be clear, friends. Humility is not weakness, but rather confidence in the work that Christ has already done, work that you and I did not do so that we have no reason to boast, no reason to be proud, because, friends, we did not save ourselves. We did not redeem ourselves. I couldn't, you couldn't, but Christ did. I was powerless and I am powerless, but I know the one who holds eternity in the palm of his hand. And rather than make myself great, I choose in 2023 to make his name great. Rather than being proud of what I have accomplished, I choose to marvel at what God has done and what God is doing, even at that which God is doing in me and through me. This is Paul's posture toward life and ministry. Paul reminds us in Philippians 3 that that he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, that that he's somebody that has a lot to boast about, that he's well-educated, that he's well-versed, that he's a Roman citizen, that he has every credential that you could want as a follower of Jesus. He has every reason to be proud. His churches were thriving. He was seeing the power of God displayed in his life and through his life again and again and again. Yet rather than boast in all of this, he says these words in verse 8. He says, what is more, I consider everything, all of my history, all of my credentials, all of the power and pride, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I lost all things, and I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. Y'all don't forget Paul wrote like half of the New Testament. Instead, I press on to take hold 
of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul knows that he didn't save himself, but that it was Christ who rescued him. Paul knows his place. And though God is using him powerfully, chooses to ground himself in Christ's work on his behalf. Y'all, I want that posture for myself. I want that posture for my faith, for our church, so that it's not about me and it's not about us, but what Christ is doing in us and through us, that is humility. Remember, friends, we don't exist to make the name of our church great. We don't exist to make the name of our denomination great. We exist to make the name of Jesus Christ great because he is the one who's taken hold of us. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ and to transform the world in his name. Loving the Lord with all our soul means that we make godly choices, that we're obedient to God's word, and that we live lives of humility. And so this morning, as we come to this table of God's grace, where we are reminded of what God has done for us and experience Christ's real presence with us, I pray that we might begin to love the Lord with all our soul, knowing that He is the one who has rescued us, who has saved us, who has redeemed us, and who has set us free. Amen.